Everyone, welcome to another episode of Strength for Today. I'm your host here, Eric Dykstra, and today we get to look at Isaiah 54. And on Monday, we looked at Isaiah 53 of the suffering servant and the king that we've been talking about of his father's kingdom uh, would be a very different picture of what many people anticipated. And today we get to talk about the covenant of peace that God gives us through his son, Jesus. And this is really one of the greatest environments or cultures, if you want to call that, of his kingdom, is that it's a kingdom of peace and how Jesus lived in that kingdom from a point of bringing peace into the lives of all those who would call on his name and put their faith in him. And I love this passage in Isaiah 54, and I just, I'm going to start reading some of it in pointing out some of the things that I believe will bring incredible hope and peace into your life. I read that. I want to just kind of give you an example of some of the things that I do in order to remember the good things that the Lord has done in my life, because you're going to see that in this chapter we're about to start reading in Isaiah 54, that it's very essential to us as believers to remember and to recall the things that God has done in our lives, especially in those times where it's very difficult and challenging. And so one of the exercises that was taught to me by one of the parents uh, that I used to work with on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes was just to simply write down a timeline of my life and begin to go back and remember the things and appreciate the things that I gleaned or learned or how I grew from those times in my life. And I'm sure, I mean, I've got so many different seasons and journals of things that I've written about. And uh, as you get older, you can look back to high school and begin to appreciate the things that you enjoy. Maybe for some, this is a hard thing to do because maybe you didn't have a lot of good experiences. But I believe that each one of us can always find things to appreciate and to be thankful for, um, even if those are few, if it's one or two, taking those one or two things and dwelling on them, processing them out with the Lord. Uh, So I've done this in in times of my high school, my college experience, times I served as a youth pastor when I was on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, season where we just had our three children, um, when we were on staff out there in Colorado, Um, Being back in Illinois when we moved back and taking a position uh, with FCA as well, stepping into a new role of leadership within uh, a church that I was a part of and able to lead. Um, And then even the season that I've shared in a couple episodes here where I had to kind of step out of ministry and to allow a season that was extremely hard and difficult. And so one of the things that I've done is I kind of have charted these different things and began to just write out how I've seen God move in those seasons and the people that God brought into my life during those seasons, the, th- the ways they spoke into my life and encouraged me, um, the truths that they were able to speak into my heart during those seasons, and just the incredible communities and the love that I felt this sense of identity that was starting to be formed and developed, how I was beginning to mature in those different seasons. And these are uh, extremely important um, exercises that we can do when times are very hard. And 
I think for a lot of us over the last two years, we would say that we've experienced some kind of hardship or struggle that has been pretty significant. And um, I've said this in other episodes is that if you are in that position where things are extremely difficult and hard, and there's hard, it's hard to remember times of, of just when things were good or uh, when things were great. It's in those times where I've often learned to trust the Lord in those. And even if there's one or two, I'll connect, but also beginning to just trust the Lord that in the middle of what you're going through, um, I'll ask the question, what are you forming in me in this time? And I've started to come to understand and be at peace that in those extremely hard and difficult situations, if we're willing to humble our heart and to just allow him to be who he says he is in his word, he will comfort us. He'll bring his counsel. He'll bring wisdom, comfort, peace, love, and joy, which I've defined as um, glad to be with me in those times because his word says that he is always near and present with us. And so in these different seasons, training our minds, renewing our minds on the goodness of God and seeing the evidences of how he has been with us. And even in the two most difficult seasons of my life and the things that I've walked through, I can often even go back today and I'm starting to see how God was forming me in those and redefining parts of who I thought I was. And he's purifying and making me um, more into his image through having to go through these things. And I've come to see that place of suffering as a place of greater intimacy with him and a deeper transformation that can happen within my heart. I had a mentor once say that I welcome hardships now because of the opportunity they present for me to get to know and walk with the Lord at a much more intimate and deeper level. And I've gotten a greater sense of my identity. And oftentimes, as I was willing to walk through that, my influence and my leadership and my skills and influence began to go to a whole nother level that they could have never have gone through had I not learned to walk through those difficult seasons with the Lord. And so I just want to encourage your heart today and just affirm and validate that if you're going through that place of hardship, even beginning to ask the Lord, what are you doing in this? And having him give you a glimpse into your future and the destiny that he has on the other side, because he's leading you in to something beautiful and great. And he's actually making you beautiful in your process right now. And would just invite you to welcome his loving embrace and his loving hand to, to help shape and to mold you in this season. So I want to jump into Isaiah 54. And I just want to pull out some things to go with what we had just said. Um, it starts off by saying, shout for joy, O barren one, she who has not given birth, break forth into joyful shouting and rejoice, she who has not gone into labor with child. For the spiritual sons of the desolate, one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. This is really an image of those who have felt barren and desolate in that they've been in a dry place. And he says, shout for joy, 
break forth in joyful shouting and rejoice, not something that we often associate with being in a barren place or not being able to bring forth something and give birth to give life, whether that's in a physical sense or in a spiritual sense where you feel like you don't have anything to give. But it's in those moments that we need to connect with the Lord and rejoice and shout for joy for what he's doing. Because listen to this in verse two. He says, enlarge the sight of your tent to make room for more children. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare them. Lengthen your tent ropes and make your peg stakes firm in the ground. This seems a little bit premature, maybe you're thinking, but this is how the Lord often works is that even in our barrenness, even in our desert, we have got to take steps of faith moving forward and believing that God is working all things for our good, for those who love him and learn to trust him in the hardship. He's saying, enlarge your tent because I'm going to give you more. I'm going to expand you. Remember, that's a definition that we've given of the Lord's strength, that he is a life-giving spirit, that when he comes in and takes resident, we prepare our heart, our mind, our capacity that we would expect it to increase. And the more of the Lord begins to build inside of us, and we take on more of his image, and he's saying, even before you know that you're about to give birth to something, there's things that you have to do to even prepare for the expansion of what the Lord has to do, but it's a necessary action that we have to take. Verse three says, for you will spread out to the right and to the left and your descendants will take possession of nations and will inhabit desolate places. This is a promise that I love where he says spread out to the left and to the right. He says, your descendants will take possession of nations and inhabit the deserted places. And as I heard that and was reading over that this week in the past week, I just get this image of those of us that feel desolate coming into a place where we'll inhabit the desert places because we're not afraid of them. We're not fearful of them, but the places that no one else wants to be is we'll welcome them in and we'll go into those places. We'll enter into the lives of those who maybe are spiritually dead or emotionally dead or gone. And we'll be able to bring life because the Lord has expanded us in those seasons. And he says, you are being sent into those places to occupy and take up residency in the desolate places where most people see nothing. You begin to see uh, your savior, your Lord, your King, the God of the universe who can speak life and bring life into those desolate places. Because if that's your experience of what he's done in your heart, you get to carry that into the desolate places around you and be the life that God was for you. And then he says this in verse four, do not fear or do not feel, uh, do not fear for you will not be put to shame. And do not feel humiliated or ashamed, for you will not be disgraced, for you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will no longer remember the disgrace of your widowhood. This is a great promise that the coming king would make. I love how he says, do not fear. And then he says, you will not be put to shame or be humiliated or ashamed. How many times 
have you seen a child or maybe you've been the child where you have felt shame or guilt? I'm sure we all get lost in it and we've made choices where guilt and shame begin to rob us of the joy that the Lord has to be with us. And we think and get this image of our God shaming us and condemning us and bringing judgment. But remember, Paul said in Romans, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you placed your life in Christ, he doesn't bring condemnation. He's not going to allow you to get buried in your shame. And then I love what he says in five, for your husband is your maker. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of the whole earth. Your husband is your maker. You are united with him. He brings life. The Lord of hosts is his name, who is called the God of the whole earth. You are united to him. And that is the great news of this chapter right here. He says, for the Lord has called you like a wife who has been abandoned, grieved in the spirit, and like a wife married in her youth when she is later rejected and scorned. Then the Lord says this, maybe you felt that, maybe you're feeling it, like everyone else is abandoning you. And then instead of everybody else who seems to walk away from you and out of your life, God walks right into your life. And he walks right into the midst of where you're at. And he says this, for a brief moment, I abandon you, but with great compassion and mercy, I will gather you to myself again. In an outburst of wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And as I just hear those words coming from the Father's heart, I just see an image of a loving God with his arms outstretched to you, willing and wanting to embrace you right where you're at. And it may seem like he's abandoned you, but he says, everlasting kindness and with great compassion and mercy, I will gather you to myself. And with an everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. And I want you to feel that, not only to hear it coming from his mouth, but to feel it. Maybe you hit the pause button and just say, Lord, could I feel that kindness and that compassion that you have. And one of the things that I've learned as an exercise and practice is to learn to connect what you hear with how you feel, because God gave you a physical body to connect with that emotion. So to feel his compassion and his kindness, you should feel it in your body, knowing that he's kind and compassionate to you. And he says, for this is like the waters of Noah to me, as I swore an oath that the waters of Noah would not flood the earth again. In the same way, I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, nor will I rebuke you. This is the kindness and the goodness of who God is in our lives. He says, I will not be angry. The waters will not overwhelm you, and I won't rebuke you. And he says, for the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake but my loving kindness will not be removed from you. His loving kindness will not be removed from you, nor will my covenant of peace be shaken, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. My heart and desire is that you would feel that compassion, that you would come to know that covenant of peace that cannot be shaken. 
because that's who he is in you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are found in him. Your life remains and is sustained by his work, not your work. Let's get down to verse 13, where he says, and all of your spiritual sons will be disciples of the Lord, and great will be the well-being of your sons. You will be firmly established in righteousness. You will be far from even the thought of oppression, for you will not fear and from terror, for it will not come near you. These are promises that you can begin to build in your spirit and build your foundation upon is that your spiritual sons and daughters will be disciples of the Lord and great will be their well-being. You will be firmly established in righteousness because that's who Jesus was and is, and he is in you. You are made righteous because he's, his life is in you and you will be far from oppression or fear, it says. And then in verse 17, I love the way this chapter closes. He says, no weapon that is formed against you will succeed. In every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. This peace, righteousness, security, and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, says the Lord. I want you to hear that good news today, son and daughter, that no weapon that is formed against you would prosper, that would be victorious over you or succeed against you. And he says this, peace and righteousness, security and triumph, those are four great things of his kingdom, peace, righteousness, security, and triumph over opposition. That's from the Amplified Translation where it says those things. It says, is the heritage of the Lord. You've put your faith in Christ. This is your inheritance. This is who he is. This is the kingdom of God in you. And now you get to bring it into the world. And these are the characteristics that should come from our lives that should be a witness and a testimony to those around us in a very troubling and trying time for many. We are walking through the suffering, just like Jesus did through his suffering, was brought a deeper level of intimacy with his father, a deeper sense of identity, a deeper sense of his influence through the mission of what he lived was passed down to generations now of us as new covenant believers who get to walk in the fullness and the inheritance of everything that Jesus is and everything of heaven we now have access to through the work in person of Jesus. So may it unlock things in your heart, in your thinking, in the provision and favor and the permission that you feel that would come from Jesus himself. And I want to close this episode by another song. One of my favorite songs, and I started this episode by something that I do often, is just remembering the evidences of how I've seen God work in my life. I would strongly encourage you to do that. But I want to share this with you as well, this song called Evidence by Josh Baldwin. It's one of my favorite songs. And a lot of times, even when I read the words or hear it, I just begin to cry 
because I'm overwhelmed at the goodness that I've experienced, God. And that's my heart for you is that you'd come to know that yourself. It says these, this, it says all throughout my history, your faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms made way for spring in every season from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. Help me remember when I'm weak, fear may come, but fear will leave. You lead my heart to victory. You are my strength and you are always, or you, let me try that over. You are my strength and you always will be. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life and all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life. I see the cross, the empty grave. The evidence is endless. All my sin rolled away because of you, oh Jesus. See the cross, the empty grave. The evidence is endless. All my sin rolled away because of you, oh Jesus. Then the very end of that song, he says these words. He says, so why should I fear? The evidence is here. Why should I fear? Oh, the evidence is here. The evidence of Jesus, the kindest person that I've ever known, shares his goodness with you. The evidence is throughout all of history, from the time the earth began till the time Jesus returns and brings us home to be with his Father in eternity. So I just invite you again today. If you want to know this King, you want to know the goodness and the kindness, and you want to begin to see the evidences of his work in your life and what his strength can do. Just yield your heart in a posture of surrender and ask him into your heart and declare that I want to follow you for the rest of the days of my life. And I want to end with Psalm 27, verse 13. And I want to just read this over you as David cried it out. David said this. He said, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord, as I would leave you with those words today. David said, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Expect to see it. Expect it in your life. And then he says, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. May your heart be encouraged today. And may you go back, read Isaiah 54, and I would encourage you to Google or YouTube this song, Evidence by Josh Baldwin, and just let it get deep in your heart. I pray that you'll come back on Friday, where we'll close this week out in Isaiah 55, and we'll look at the mercy of God that he pours out, and the power 
of his word and how it reveals himself deep within us and changes our heart and, and, and puts our heart in a position to receive and our eyes in alignment to see who he is and what he can do. God bless and God's strength today.